Yes, today we are going to talk about suffering. Some of you may not like what I have to say today. I don't even like some of the things that I have to say today. But we are going through a letter in the Bible, 1 Peter, and as we do, we come across things that confront us and challenge us. If we could interview Peter today, he would tell us that even he pushed against what he is now advocating for, this truth. To follow Jesus is to follow him into submission and suffering. Let that sink in. To follow Jesus is to follow him into submission and suffering. I know, not popular mainstream Christian teaching today. If you were to look at the bestseller list, Christian, non-Christian, you're probably not going to find a book that's pushing this message. Peter had once rebuked Jesus when Jesus told the disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem, suffer and die. And yet now Peter is saying that this is the Christian way, submission, suffering. He just had to see it play out. We're going to look at what he has to say to us today in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 25, and I'm just going to walk us through the verses. This is the word of God, verse 13. Be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Submission is an important word to Peter. He uses it six times in his letter. To be subject is to be intentionally putting yourself under the authority of another. Peter says we should do that with every human institution, and he brings to the front his government, his emperor. For us today in Canada, that would be the Prime Minister Trudeau and his delegated authorities. If you lived in the United States, it would be Trump, his delegated authorities. If you lived in the UK, it'd be Johnson and his delegated authorities, and on and on and on. Peter says we're to be subject to our government, and to do so, he will write later, with honor. Now, some of you may be chafing about this even right now. You don't like the government you're under, but this is the thing about when we read God's word, we're regularly going to bump up against it, and it will challenge us and correct us. We're told this is good in 2 Timothy chapter 3 when it speaks about the inspiration of God. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Hey, if we want to follow God and we want to grow into maturity, one of those ways is to obey it as it says to us, be subject to every human institution. Peter qualifies that. He says, for the Lord's sake. And this is so important to get. In other words, we are not submitting or, or surrendering ourselves to the authority of a person or institution based on their merit. No, we are looking over their shoulder and seeing God. What is his will? And as we do that, we see that God wants us to do good, and our doing good in this case is to submit ourselves to the authority that we're over, that, that is over us. We don't do it out of inferiority or obligation. You know, Jesus was a great example of submission. He submitted himself to the Roman rule and their collaboration with the Jewish Sanhedrin as they conducted a most unfair trial. Jesus submitted himself to the travesty of the cross. Our submission comes out of freedom. We are told in verse 16 in 1 Peter 2, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. 
Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. In the freedom that we have in Christ, we voluntarily, purposely, intentionally submit ourselves to authorities. And we do that with honor. So if you're in the lunchroom when, when we can go back to work and, and you're with other people and somebody starts to degrade your boss, criticize him, how do you respond? First Peter tells us, you respond with honor, words of honor. Honor everyone, Peter says. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And out of that fear of God, he says, honor the emperor. Translation, honor the rulers over you. So for us, you're our prime minister, our premier, our mayor, our police force, our teachers, our parents. We submit ourselves to their authority with honor. Peter goes on, knowing that that submission may even lead to suffering. Verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. I don't do all that well with physical suffering. When I am sick and I compare myself to mothers that I know, uh, like when mothers get sick, their world doesn't stop. They continue in their responsibility and they just keep going. When I get sick, my world stops. Like a lot of men, when it comes to suffering physically, just a little bit pathetic. The suffering Peter's talking about here though is not so much physical illness. It's to, it's to experience harm by others because of their faith in Jesus Christ. In the early centuries, Christians were sometimes apprehended. They could be beaten. Some of them were even killed because of their allegiance to Jesus. But we would be mistaken to think that that was widespread and it was consistent, it was happening all the time. What was more consistent was the idea of social, a social cost, social ostracization, whether it was financial or social. In other words, unlike Abbotsford, to be a Christian was not good for business. To be a Christian meant that you might experience some relational damage. It wasn't popular. You might be slandered, you might be ridiculed. To live out your faith, you might incur financial hardship, social hardship, maybe physical hardship, but you did suffer. Peter wants to give us an example as he addresses the household code. He starts with a servant in that household. Many servants had committed their lives to Jesus Christ. And Peter isn't telling them that when, you, when they submitted their lives to Jesus, that all of a sudden they're going to find themselves free. Everything's going to go great for them. This was not the gospel that the apostles preached. Peter understood that some of the servants would be treated harshly in their place. And he tells them in that situation, still do good. Still be subject to your masters as much as possible. This is a gracious thing, he says. And then he goes on to say in verse 21, to this, submission, surrender, suffering, to this, you have been called. To this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. From the context, it's obvious that although Peter is using the example of the slaves, he is speaking to all the Christians. He's speaking to you and I today. Now for most of us, our circumstances is nowhere near as bad as being a slave. So whatever our circumstances are, we are to surrender ourselves, submit ourselves, bring ourselves under authority with honor, even if it leads 
to suffering. Of course, there's some caveats. Wisdom needs to be applied. The apostles did disobey government authorities when the governmental rule was in direct opposition to God's higher authority and his commands. The apostles wouldn't advocate someone staying in a domestic abuse violence from a spousal partner. Neither would they say it would be bad to engage in rigorous dialogue with our governments in, in a democracy where we're allowed to do that. But the general principle that Peter is getting at, do good. Be subject to the authorities over you. And know that as you do that, sometimes it can lead to suffering. To this, you have been called. To follow Jesus is to follow him into submission and suffering. But I thought following Jesus meant to do social justice, to take care of the poor. Yes, absolutely. I thought to follow Jesus meant to do the things that he'd do. I mean, Jesus said, greater works than I have done, you are going to do. Yes, by all means. But it's also this. To follow Jesus means to follow him into submission and surrender. Do you still want to wear the bracelet? What would Jesus do? Peter goes on to show us the example, the traceable pattern that Jesus has left us. He looks back to Isaiah chapter 53. He says, with Jesus, he committed no sin. This is a remarkable statement. Like Peter had traveled with Jesus, spent years with him. When you're with someone like that, like you know them inside out, and yet he was able to say, Jesus committed no sin. Have you ever been treated unjustly? Doesn't that just make you feel angry? Like you feel a rage sort of come up inside of you? You want to make it right? How unjust was it for Jesus to be taken to trial and to be crucified when he had committed no sin. Peter goes on to tell us about Jesus' traceable pattern, his example that we would follow in his steps. He said no deceit was found in his mouth. And Peter is going to talk about that twice in his letter when he's telling Christians how we need to live. Following the example of Jesus, our speech needs to be changed. There's no deceit, or as another translation puts it, there's no guile in us speaking towards other people. Even when their intentions toward us are evil, we think about Jesus on the cross when he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We read Peter later on, he says, when people have evil intentions towards us, we are to bless them. This is what it means to follow the example of Jesus. You still with me? I'm not sure I want to walk towards this, do you? We don't want to walk towards submission and suffering. Like that's not in our nature, it's not our inclination. Our inclination is to walk away from suffering. When I think of our response as a world to, to COVID-19 and, and the suffering that that could bring, it's just a natural instinct to do everything we can to protect ourselves. Likewise, we protect ourselves when it comes to our reputation. When we are treated unjustly, we want to make things right. We want to walk towards a life of comfort and ease. And everything around us supports that. When I think of the advertising that's done, directed towards us, everybody is trying to direct us to something that removes suffering from our life, not taking us towards it. Nobody's selling suffering because nobody is buying it. But to this, Peter says, you have 
been called. I personally struggle with this. Even giving the message as I have studied it this week, I wonder, do I actually have a right to speak about this? I mean, as a leader, I have suffered in the sense that sometimes you make decisions in which you're trying to be faithful to, to God's wisdom and to his word, and you end up being criticized for it. But when I think of brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who, because of their faith in Jesus Christ right now, are experiencing physical hardship, their lives are threatened, and some of them are suffering right now because of their allegiance to Jesus. See, there are times in my life when like, I can struggle with carving out an additional 30 minutes of prayer instead of doing something fun. I can struggle with making time, inconveniencing myself to reach out to a neighbor instead of just what's best for me. I can struggle with serving the family of God instead of serving me. I can struggle with the little steps of the easiest ways to follow Jesus. What do you struggle with? Peter's reminding us that the life of a disciple is to follow Jesus and to follow Jesus is to follow him into submission and to suffering. Now get this, to be sure, we don't ask for suffering. We don't look for suffering. But in the course of following Jesus, it's just going to be natural when our own selfish desires and, and motivations are going to come into clash with, with what is right in God's will and his way. As we follow Jesus, it's just going to be natural that we're going to have difficult circumstances because of right choices that we make. And we may come into conflict with the world that is hostile towards God. But Peter says, you still need to do this. Follow in his steps. He's left you an example. Remember, he suffered for you. This is hard. Peter shows us how, though. He shows us how by again pointing to the example of Jesus Christ. When he suffered, he says, when Jesus suffered, he didn't threaten. Instead, he trusted himself. He continued to trust in the one who judges justly. In other words, he continued to trust in his Father. This is so important. When we think about walking into a difficult situation out of obedience to God, we do so not in our own strength, but knowing and trusting that God is faithful to bring good out of that circumstance. Remember, twice Peter has used the word gracious. This is a gracious thing. When we suffer unjustly out of obedience to God, this is a gracious thing. That word gracious, of course, comes from the word charis, the unmerited favor of God. When we walk in obedience towards suffering and embrace it in the will of God, it is there that we experience something that we cannot experience in any other way. We experience the grace of God. People who have suffered around the world because of their faith know something about God, his faithfulness, and also the depth of his grace because of their difficult circumstances. Two summers ago when I was in Iraq, I'm still moved by some of the stories I've heard as in the midst of suffering, people trusted God and yet they are alive today to testify to his greatness. In the book, Fleeing Isis, Finding Jesus, the author Charles Morris talks about his uh, interviews with different people and, and their vibrant faith in the midst of suffering. One of the accounts that he recalls is a story of Johanna a man who came to a vibrant faith in Jesus Christ in the midst of, of all the persecution 
This is what Hannah told that Johanna told him that he had taken away from his, his relationship with Jesus. And he talked about hope, if you can believe it. Hope is not something you catch in your hands. We get hope when we trust God, that he's doing a good thing in our lives, no matter how bad things might look. When we trust in God, he will give us strength and reinforce us with power. Johanna went on to say, hey, if I'm a real Christian, if I really do trust God, then I'll believe that all of this difficulty that we're going through here in Iraq will be used by God for his glory and good. Trusting God in the midst of this is so important. I'm reminded of the story of David. You know, David was called a man after God's own heart. And so often when we hear that phrase, we think of how David was a man of worship, how he had this intimacy with God. He penned these beautiful psalms and authentic psalms. But there's something else about David that is brought to mind. David really understood submission and authority. He knew that he was called to be king in Israel, that he would replace Saul. And yet before that happened, when King Saul was unjust towards him and hunted down David to take David's life away from him, when David had the opportunity to kill Saul, he refused to do so. Instead, he entrusted his life, his future, to the one who judges justly. He did exactly what Peter is telling us to do here. And David's life is an example. Just as his suffering led to significance, so it did for Jesus, and so it will be for us. You see, in the wisdom of God, so often things that God calls us into, his will, it's so counterintuitive to how we might think things should go. Nobody would have thought that the Messiah, the promised one, would be one who should come, suffer, and die. It was a stumbling block to the Jews, and it was foolishness to the Greeks, and for so many, it continues to be that today. Muslims can't believe a father, God, would allow his son to suffer. But it was on that cross, as Jesus embraced suffering, as he had walked towards it, that the greatest and most significant moment in history took place. Peter points us to that. It was on that tree where his body was crucified that you and I have been reconciled and made right with God. By his wounds, it says, we are healed. As Peter calls us to walk in the example of Christ, He's reminded us because Christ also suffered for us. Suffering, then significance. This is the way of Jesus. We see at the heart of Christianity that it's not about me. It's not about my preferences. It's not about my wants. It's not about all about me. And if church and Christianity is that for you, then when you hear these words that to follow Jesus is to follow him into submission and suffering, then this is just not going to land for you. But if we're saying, yes, Jesus, whatever it takes, I want to follow you. Our master, our savior, our rescuer laid, his down, laid down his life for the glory of God and for the sake of others, our salvation. And his followers are to be just like him. Suffering leads to significance. We see this in the life of Jesus 
and we see it in ours, that when we surrender and submit ourselves to God, suffering is not the end of the story. He takes it through us. He takes us through that to something even greater. How many of you have watched Survivor? Okay, I'm not going to judge you if you have, and please don't judge me. I've watched one episode. That's right, 40 seasons. I've watched one episode. And here's the amazing thing that happened on the episode that I watched. In it, one of the participants had won a prize. He had a right, and they gave him the opportunity to surrender his right so that the rest of the team would be able to go and meet with their family members. Now, remember, they meet in isolation, but if he surrendered his right, people would be able to go and hang out with their family for a while. Well, the man did. He surrendered his right, his privilege, so that his team members could do that. What he did not know was that the show had planned, if he did that, they were going to do something amazing for him. And they flew out his mother. They, they, they orchestrated this amazing dinner. They had uh, incredible ambiance and music and all this. His was by far the greatest glory. That's a picture of what happened with Jesus Christ. As Jesus submitted himself to authority and ultimately the authority of his father, as he surrendered and walked into suffering, as he was crucified on that cross, it looked so bad. It looked so glum. Saturday was so dark. But if you waited till Sunday, glory. We are told in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. See, having subjected himself, Jesus is now exalted to the right hand of the Father, Submission, surrender, suffering is not the end. It's the doorway. It's the pathway to the greater that God has. The glory for Jesus. And as he is the example for us, so does God do that in our lives. As we suffer, it is a pathway to glory. This is why Peter can talk about suffering in glowing terms, with joy. When we follow Jesus into submission, when we follow Jesus into suffering, we also follow Jesus into significance. And more than that, we follow Jesus into glory. As amazing as this is, Jesus says, when we humble ourselves before God, he ends up exalting us. Do you want to live a life of meaning, a life of significance? Follow Jesus. Follow his steps into submission and suffering knowing that ultimately, whether it's in this life or in the life to come, he's going to take all of your good work and your obedience and use it to glorify God and somehow reward and exalt you. So where does this land for us? Sometimes we think, well, I, I would suffer if something major and big came along. I think I'd be ready to do that. But really, we live it out in the everyday small steps as we follow Jesus. If your spouse criticizes you, how are you going to respond? Honor everyone? Respond in kind or respond with grace? In your workplace, if your boss has done something that you feel is unfair to you, how are you going to respond? If your boss lays you off, how, how are you going to respond? Are you going to criticize him? Are you going to trash him? Or maybe it's simply a, a small step to say, hey, in the pursuit of my relationship with God, I'm going 
I'm going to pay the price of setting aside some screen time to spend time in the presence of God in prayer, seeking his face in worship. What is that small step of sacrifice that God is calling you into right now? To follow Jesus is to follow him into submission and suffering and ultimately glory. The ramifications for us in this are are huge. Maybe you're watching today and you don't have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. So I hope you've heard that following Jesus is not necessarily easy, but it's incredible. We have a God and Savior that loves us so much that the Father sent his Son into the world to live on your behalf, to die on your behalf, He rose from the dead so that your separation from God could be completely done away with and that by putting your faith and trust in him, you could be made right with God, have a living relationship with him, receive his Holy Spirit and experience the fullness of joy and abundant life even in the midst of suffering that he has for you an eternity filled with God and with others who are there together to enjoy eternity in his presence. Maybe as you're watching today, you know you've been living your life in a completely different direction than you should be. You are a professing Christ follower, and yet your steps are in no way following the steps of Jesus into his obedience. He's simply asking you to turn. Turn and just realign your steps with him. And maybe you're here today and you've been following Jesus and it's brought you into hardship and difficulty because of that. Oh, Peter would just want to encourage you today. Keep on doing it. Suffering is not the destination. It's just the road to the better, the good, the glory that God has for you. I'm going to say a prayer for us, and I just want to invite each and every one of us to just say yes to what I'm saying as I, on behalf of all of us, surrender our lives once again to this amazing God and Savior that we have. Father, we come before you today and we marvel again at the person and the work of Jesus Christ, your son, that he being God would limit himself to our humanity, that he would walk towards suffering, that he would die on our behalf. We praise you, God, that he, was, he has risen from the dead, that he's brought life from death and victory from loss. And because of that, when we say yes to you, Lord, we can live an eternal right relationship with you. Today, God, we say yes. Rule over our lives. Be our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, we'd like to come alongside of you and just help you in your journey with Jesus. On our website, centralheights.ca, there's a connect button. You can click on that and it will take you to a page. You can just indicate there that you've committed your life to Christ or maybe you've rededicated your life to Christ and you can fill out any information you want. And We'll contact you. We'd love to come alongside of you 